very funny, bitch. You must always have faith in yourself. You're listening to Beyond Bechdale. I'm currently at Picturehouse Central in the middle of the London Film Festival, so hopefully you'll forgive all the background noise. Might add a bit of ambiance to our discussion. Researching female action stars for the podcast has been very interesting and a little bit disappointing because I seem to have come up against a wall when it comes to finding female action duos. So if anybody out there uh, can give me some examples of two women on screen who are both lead action heroes, I'd really like to hear it. I normally find that the female character is either the lead and she stands out in the James Cameron mould or Quentin Tarantino mould, or she is in a double act with a male character. And I think that there's a real dearth of multiple female action characters on screen at the same time and I'm not entirely sure that's because audiences don't want it I think it's because audiences aren't given it or filmmakers think that a male action star will sell a movie and will therefore juxtapose him against perhaps a stronger woman or a feeble woman or have the anomaly of a woman in charge and she's the lead in the film and then she has male minions around her but for some reason two strong females on screen is a rare occurrence and I think that that's symptomatic of a wider problem about strength and women. So I'm here with Katie Smith-Wong, a writer and reviewer who's written for Flick Feast and Den of Geek amongst others. Um, and we're today going to talk about Bechdel's Hest in relation to action movies. But first of all, I wondered if you wanted to talk about Battle of the Sexes because you've just come out of that screening. It was fabulous. Um, as if you don't know, it's based about based on the 1973 match, I believe, that's based between Billy Keane King and Bobby Riggs. Bobby Riggs is played by Steve Carell, and Billy Jean King is obviously played by Emma Stone. Uh, there is a lot of emphasis on uh, gender and sexual equality in the film, and uh, the filmmakers uh, who are behind, who were the team behind um, Little Miss Sunshine, they hammer in the whole idea that the idea that men, the male characters believe that men are superior in every field. Billy Jean King feels like the sole sole voice in that. That's not the case. Women can be. It can be treated equally, or can even ex- succeed, exceed even, in what men can do. That you know, the, this whole presumed idea that men are better, there's no longer no longer applies anymore. I think that tennis is a really interesting one actually because it's one of the few sports where women are paid effectively the same and to some extent are doing less if you talk about the five sets versus three sets. I think tennis is a very interesting sport to use because it's one of the very few sports that is more widely recognised to be played by both men and women. Football, yes, is coming a bit more and more popular but for tennis, for instance, Wimbledon has been going on for years and everyone talks about the male and female competitors equally. Um, I think also tennis is um, notable because more and more female tennis players such as Serena Williams are being more vocal about like the prize, the, 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 fun, the monetary prizes that winners, winners um, win. That's it. <laughs> Gosh, sorry. Mind <laughs> That the winners win, and as well as the level of recognition that they they get, no matter how win, how well they play. So that's quite interesting about Andy Murray as well, because I think that, and obviously I haven't seen Battle of the Sexes, so you can answer this better. But I think in the modern world, it's really important as well for 
female players or anyone who's a woman in any industry to be supported by male players or other exactly. people and everything he said as well and I hate to bring this back to a man because the thing is Serena Williams's comments should be able to stand in their own right but we still live in a world where they don't so the fact that when Andy Murray calls out journalists and says uh, it's like oh it's the greatest aren't you the greatest of all time and he's like no I think you'll find that's Serena Williams or uh, you know what about or the greatest female player and then he's like no greatest player things like that are really good um, do you think Battle of the Sexes passed the Bechdel test? Uh, yeah I, I think so um, Emma Stone's character is um, involved with I don't know Spoiler alert! I'm sorry. (laughs) (laughs) um, They have she she forms a connection with a character called Marilyn, who's played by Andrew Riseborough, and they actually share this. They have quite uh, deep conversations about King's need to prove the point that she actually has a voice in this male-dominated world, and through her tennis, she's been able this is the only way that she can really portray that and be taken seriously especially as there are other supporting characters most notably uh, Jack Kramer who's played played by Bill Pullman they're very they're aggressively vocal about women's supposed inferiority Mm. in the sport and for her to just say I need to do this I have a voice I I can do this that's just inspirational yes and and it's the kind of and especially as I mentioned before, it's such a high-profile um, field as, as as tennis as a sport. That sometimes feels sometimes it's male-dominated. You need to have that kind of person to show that that there is that gender equality is possible. Yeah. That, that there is it's worth playing for. Yeah, and you have to really you know the sad thing about it, but that's probably how a film play comes out of this um, is when um, one person, a female person has to really go out there and go beyond in order to just ask for equality and that's the kind of brilliant thing that makes a really interesting and inspiring film I expect but also has a kind of depressing undercurrent of in order to be seen as good as male contemporaries a woman has to be better. Yeah, there there was this uh, underlying theme in the film that that supposedly women are inferior because they can't handle the pressure to some extent that is kind of true because it's because that women it's because women female not not just female women but female characters in films they have a larger role to play they need to prove a point they're representing a sex that has always been seen as domesticated they, they are set to certain roles physically inferior exactly. mentally inferior yeah like, you know there's <laughs> like there's always there's always been talk about you know, women should belong in the kitchen that's just rubbish so Billy to you what do you want what do you mean with your hair what do you want to do with it oh <laughs> Um, it doesn't matter. You can just get it on my face. You don't care about how you look? Someone as pretty as you? Uh, I'm not pretty. I mean, I don't. I thank you for, for saying that. What's your name again? Marilyn. Women can do more. Women can have the balls to do more and be um, a tougher, more aggressive character that, you know, may have, may, they may not, it doesn't matter if they're a supporting character or not, they just need to be there. Yes. And that's, that's yeah. my, that's no, what I, I, I tend to admire about certain films at the moment because there are more actresses that are a lot more vocal about the whole gender equality in, in, in the film industry and talk in general. And they're also a lot more daring with their choice of roles. For instance, I'm getting a bit off topic here. No, 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 it's all <laughs> on topic because it's all about female representation on film. It's like so. Charlize Theron is a great example. She's mm-hmm. always been an advocate of, of, of equal rights, but when you see her in like Mad Max, 
and Atomic Blonde, for instance, mm -hmm. she's taking on quite physical roles, and she's there. She's a female beacon yeah. in in male-dominated areas. You know, in Mad, Mad Max, she's the sole female rig driver amongst you know the half-life soldiers and whatnot. And then Atomic Blonde, she's this ice-cold spy who's just almost ripped apart by male male spies yet she manages to hold her own mm -hmm. that's the kind of thing that we're moving towards well that's good can I ask you two questions about that sure or, or kind of your, your your perspective on two different points do you think in those two roles particularly Charlize Theron is acting in a more male way or she is bringing something as a female character and do you think um, kind of off from that that in order to portray these more lead action based roles she has to dampen down some of her more emotional qualities or more female qualities for want of a better phrase I think with, with, with regards to her being a female and a male male a similar male role that's yes. You could say you could apply that to Atomic Blonde because, as a spy, that's oh, again a genre that's no, that's more memorable for its male characters like James Bond and Jason Bourne. You need to have that kind of cold, emotionless state. Whereas Mad Max, she's she's I don't think she's as she's less feminine because she's acting as a maternal figure to the five wives um, that she rescues. But she is, um, for want of a better phrase, more butch. She has shaved her hair off. She is wearing her special black makeup. I think that, yeah, in a way, I think that with Fury Road, she has gone beyond gender. And I think that's brilliant because that's what, in, to some extent, we're aiming for. I mm -hmm. think for me, the future of female representation on film is twofold. You have either gender is irrelevant, a story is a story, or you bring more female characters and female traits into lead roles therefore making these not seem weaker yeah. or lesser in some way and I think that with Fury Road I think gender is becoming less and less, is, is less think, of an issue except for the siren type characters I forget what they're called Do you know the girls that she yeah the, the five wives five wives thank you so obviously I they are in with, a wife I think role with regards to appearance that might be an acceptance, almost a form of acceptance towards, you know, amongst the, the, you know, Immortan Joe, Joe's uh, world, yes. because they have a very similar appearance, but this shouldn't, this doesn't change who she is inside. No. She is who she is. Yeah. And it's her prerogative to, that, you know, she recognises, even though he is her boss, he is, in her words, a very bad man. She knows what's right. Yes. She knows what's right and what's wrong. Yes. So I don't think that, I don't think, you know appearance-wise, I don't think that has really any influence on whether a female character is inferior or not. She proves that she can she can hold her own in the fight, and she knows how to use her initiative. She knows how to defend herself. I didn't think that you would show. Totally on the rocks. You pay attention. I look for pleasure in the details. Speaking of which, I've been dying to ask you a question. Let's go someplace quiet. Something that I do when I watch action movies nowadays, and I don't know if you do the same, is that I'm always thinking, which of these characters could I make a woman and it would not affect the plot in any way? And the answer should be all of them at all times, but I'm not naive enough to think that that would really happen. Do you find yourself doing that as well? Uh, sometimes. It's, I think it depends on the situation, because if you think about the fight scenes in classic in, in action movies, not just like gunfights but sword fights as well. Sword mm -hmm. fights I have quite a particular penchant for. You, women have shown in Asian cinema that they can hold a sword and be able to use it. <laughs> yes. <laughs> like, you know, you think about uh, a Japanese Japanese film, Lady Snowblood, or, you know, Kill Bill for instance. Yes. Crouching Tiger and Dragon, they all can handle a sword. It doesn't matter if they're Asian or Caucasian, they can 
they know how to they know how to fight. And in both, and in both, I don't know about the other film, but in, in Crouching Tiger and in Kill Bill, you also have female on female fight. Yeah. So it's not only that they can use a samurai sword or a sword or some weapon. Yeah. It's that they're actually using it to have a fight against another woman who can also use that and they're talking about other things during the fight it's bloody it's grisly but also the gender has absolutely no effect exactly. on the ability for you to enjoy in addition the, the like both Crouching Tiger and Kill Bill the female character is actually the stronger yes they the, are the stronger sex which is you know it's, it comes it may come as a contradiction to certain action films but I think it's the kind of thing that you, they need to promote yes There needs to be a, a a change. Something's an anomaly, and therefore people go and see it because it's different, because it's exciting, or to where it's be. Uh, there've been these roles on screen so many times that it's like, do I like this actress? Do I like the sound of this film? My aim with this podcast is to get to a point where we have moved on from the Bechdel test as it is, and there is absolutely nothing wrong with it. But I don't know if it necessarily works for what we want now. It's about general representation, and it's far more complex. Than two women talking to each other. Of course, I think every film, unless there's a specific reason, should have a scene where that happens and it passes. But I also don't think that that should be shoehorned in and we shouldn't discount a film if it has strong female characters. Like Kill Bill only passes really in, in one scene, you know, and that's four hours of movie, isn't it? Where you only have that and that's, but you would, we would all also say that Kill Bill is like, you know, action-oriented, really strong female heroines and that Tarantino did a really good job. So, yeah, in terms of anomaly, uh, when we were talking about this off mic, you were talking about Wonder Woman and why it's come along now and the, the excitement of it. Well, there was a lot of pressure with Wonder Woman um, because I, I also... It, I also enjoy comic book films, mm -hmm. so having the Marvel versus DC saga going on, it's always been of interest to me because they because they release each one releases films every so often, and it's constantly in in in, in mind. It's um it's easy to draw comparisons as to what will do best. I think there was more pressure with Wonder Woman to do better because not only did it follow Batman vs Superman, which had mixed reviews, mm -hmm. but it was also the first female standalone film. It was the first solo film, film that had a female character as its lead. Which Something DC did and Marvel hadn't managed to do no. yet, even though Black Widow has appeared in many, many Marvel films. And we're all crying out for a Scarlett Johansson-led yeah. movie, and she can do it because of Lucy and all the other work. It fell to DC, and I wonder if that's because they were trying to, to encroach some territory back and forgot 50% of their audience. I think, I think it was quite, uh, I don't know, their, their approach in promoting their, their films leading up to Justice League was interest, interesting because they didn't follow the same kind of formula that Marvel did, where they introduced all the standalone characters first before introducing a group picture, which is yeah. what they could have done with Aquaman, because not a lot of people may not know who Aquaman is. But with Wonder Woman, I think it was a clever ploy because there was a lot of there was a lot of pressure, mm -hmm. especially from female fans worldwide, to deliver something good to show that the Justice League would not be rubbish. With Wonder Woman, it reminded people that women can hold their own. When you see the fight scenes in Wonder Woman, there were lots of people just just cheering. I remember like, speaking to my friends about it. They all loved those scenes where. The all, all like it was it Diana Diana's people they just kicked ass yeah basically and those and they were all physical and it was very physical very action packed very fast and because from the superhero films from Marvel yeah they're not very I, I don't want to say it's very physical because it's physical but you don't feel the kind of same strength. 
Okay. That's what I've found with with with, with Gal Gadot as Diana. She she knew that she, even from the beginning of the film, she her character there was a, there, the idea was established that she needed something to prove. That she yeah. was worth. Even though she was a princess, she she's worthy of training to be a warrior, and that's what she did. Yeah. My my I don't want to say disagreement. Because that's a very strong word. Okay. And um, what I find is that a lot of people, after its release, and after it started g- gaining a lot of takings in the box office, a lot of people say, you know, Wonder Woman is proof that women can dominate. That is not the case. It didn't need to take this long. We've seen women lead action films before. Yeah. It's just this one is in a comic book. Mm-hmm. What's the difference? Do you think, though, that we saw it before and then everything went tits up and then we didn't see it? Do, do, I, I wonder if it's a generational thing. I think if you're 16 years old and you're a girl and you're going through life where social media is everything and you're not necessarily watching those films from 15 years ago, I think this was, for want of a better phrase, voice of a generation stuff or hero of a generation. And for that, I am glad, but I completely see your point that it's that was like a marketing term almost when actually it's like, well, don't make out this has never been done before. Hippolyta, I love her as you do. But this is the only way to truly protect her. You will train her harder than any Amazon before her. Five times harder. Ten times harder. Until she is better than even you. But she must never know the truth about what she is or how she came to be. I think with certain films, like. I'm, I'm just trying to think off the top of my head here. It's like Aliens, for instance. You yes. had Ellen Ripley. You had Star Wars films. You had Princess Leia. And even yeah. for like Force Awakens, you've got Rey. They're all strong female characters. Mm-hmm. Yet they don't seem to have the, the increased focus that Wonder Woman had. In my eyes, anyway. I think because, you know, when you think Star Wars, you think of Han Solo and Luke. Yeah. And By the way, it fa- and the original trilogy fails the Bechdel test. There's not a single scene in yeah. the first three or whatever, four, five, six, that passes. But you would still say that Leia comes out to some extent as a, yeah. you know, a, a princess who is holding a phaser yeah. gun. It's like yeah. there's still something, there's still an action yeah. dynamic created there. I think with the Bechdel test, it's actually a good thing to use as a basis because, you, you know, you don't want to have to... You don't want to label your female characters as some something you've already seen before. How you think? I think with the test, you can. You, it almost challenges filmmakers. What can you do different? Yes. And that just opens up a whole variety of options that how you can expand your female characters further than the whole domesticated man obsessed kind of yes. label that everyone seems that you know most people tend to associate like, with like teen flicks and stuff like that. Yes. Um, so with with like Star Wars and aliens, I think not yet yeah, because the male they're dominated by male characters. Female characters may not make it more of an impression. Fair enough. Yes. So numbers is a factor. You see, one yeah, one thing I've noticed definitely is that you can pass the Bechdel test, but the women aren't necessarily the female characters aren't necessarily doing anything for the rest of the film. Yeah. Or you can have a strong female character who's in the majority of the film, but she doesn't get to speak to any any other women. Yeah. So I think what I'm would like to work towards is is both. If you just have more female characters on screen in action movies whether they're fighting each other or not I'd like that as well because I think that's yeah. definitely the Wonder Woman effect like you said the, the kind of strong strong muscular fighting that's no different from any male characters fighting but if you just have them on the screen as part of the backstory um, or uh, co-lead or what have you then you just it's just there it's uh, it seeps into consciousness that it's not unusual for a woman to be in a role. I think Marvel has tried it actually, but not necessarily with the more action-oriented characters. 
obviously you know they have a lot more like kind of back room I'd say or people working for um, uh, the governmental bodies and things like that but what but they've only just Marvel's only just added in Scarlet Witch yeah. as a possible other I think I think with Marvel I think they're kind of relying on the male core the core Avengers yeah. to carry their stories but they what they've, they've shown that they can be successful and the fans are crying out for female oriented films you know they're only just doing they're only just do, introducing you know Ant-Man and the Wasp now yeah this is almost what 10 years after the first Iron Man film came out yeah and think if you compare that kind of range from the first Iron Man till now to what well, Wonder Woman has the what the first Superman film like Man of Steel if you could date it from there yeah you know it's it's a very big difference I think the problem is is that it, it, not, not many people tend, tend to think about how much how what women are capable of until they see it on screen yes I think that's it I think that's it it's almost like you know when I talk to other people about this I think about a, a, a kind of a filmic affirmative action I think why not just pepper your action movie with female characters like yes Wonder Woman there was a backstory it made sense it's all part of the planet and where she comes from and parental guidance but I think just putting those those in like I haven't seen Oi the Kingsman film I'll admit that now but everything I hear about it is pushing me away both of them and I know with the new one have you seen the Golden Circle? No I haven't I have no. seen the first one okay um it didn't it didn't really it wasn't really original okay um but the, and the female characters are kind of I don't know they kind of come across as degraded yes that's that's the only way I can really say it I think it's important for us to say this. No, it really is, because I think that um, one of the things about kind of, you know, let's say white male film privilege is that when you're in the target group, you don't know that this isn't normal. I think that I've spoken to a lot of people who said, and, you know, most, mostly white men of a certain age who love, absolutely love movies, which is the majority of film reviewers. Let's, you know, not, not beat about the bush here. And they generally say, oh, but this and this is what it's about. And it's like, but that's your baseline. Yeah. But it's not a baseline of reality. Not that you could necessarily say Kingsman is reality. But even in Sam Mendes's Bond tenure, I feel like the female characters have been getting better with every yeah. film and having more prominence. And Kingsman is kind of, you know, a, an alignment to that. And and was written or co-written by Jane Goldman. Yeah. So Jane Goldman, is, she's such an interesting person. I would love to meet her because... I think that what she's done is really good for the action yeah. genre, but I'm not entirely sure she's doing enough. I think and she I feel was also bad in, saying that. I think she was also involved in the like the X Men reboot. As yes. Well. Um, yeah. And that allowed. I don't know. It, it was. I think with the superhero films, it's quite. A, it's quite a very um, sensitive topic because there are a lot of diehard fans out there. So your classic um, example I know is Lady Vengeance. Yeah. Where the female, the lead female character, finds herself incarcerated for a crime she didn't commit. Yeah. She takes it upon herself to commit to, to for she com- she commits herself to um, to revenge against the person who incar- who got her incarcerated. Yes. But uh, it's her. The thing is, is that she's been portrayed as this saint in like flashbacks. Yeah. You know, she's this really kind-hearted, sweet-looking, beautiful girl. Who ends up being really violent and a bit sensitive in in her mission? Because you know, it's like she, when she, how she interacts with other characters, other inmates, female inmates as well. It's like you know, she she knows what she wants and she's quite aloof. Mm-hmm. She knows that she you know that there is she and I don't know. It's when you and it's a Korean cinema, so yes. seeing it seeing it was quite a surprise. I found anyway. Well, that's, yeah, and you're a person who's looking for it, and a woman, I just don't know, that was a little while ago now, I don't know to what extent there have been any other films since Lady Vengeance in that vein, not that I've certainly seen, but I feel like you might know more about that than uh, I do. Well, there was, so when I saw, actually, I've seen action, seen action films where, you know, female characters are trying to make a more of an impression. So when I, when I watched Blade of the Immortal, mm-hmm. that's a Japanese film, 
directed by Takashi Miyake, who did 13 Assassins and Audition. Mm. <laughs> <laughs> um, that's another episode. Anyway, that's, that's another thing. Sorry, going back on topic. You had, you had females' characters. They, they provide the emotional... Um, the emotion, they provide the emotion for the story that we yeah. just that could would otherwise be quite insane and quite gory. But there is one character called Maggie, and she she's a quite a formidable martial artist. Yeah. And seeing her just reminds it's like yeah, it's all about yeah. You could say it's a samurai film. Okay. But a female character kind of breaks it up a bit. Is that a bad thing? Is that a good thing? She's on screen, and yeah. so people are seeing her, and she's expressing different emotions and has a different role. Yeah. So I suppose to that extent, it's a good thing. But um, the fact that you're mentioning her makes me think that again, another problem that we have with females in action movies is the one woman on a pedestal who yeah. is there to personify some kind of point. The problem is, is that. Even though, yeah, she's a female character, yes, she is a fighter, but she's one blip, she's one character. There is another um, uh, female character, a young girl, who is recruited by, who recruits Manji, the main character, to yeah. avenge her parents' death. But she comes, but because she's a young girl, she's, it's hard to take her seriously. And it's a shame, because you could put her in a different light, you could say that, you know, she is strong-willed, she knows what she's doing, but that's not the case, and it's a bit of a shame, because I know, yeah, the, fil- the film's based on the manga, Yeah. and mangas have a tendency to... <laughs> not be female-focused. Female, <laughs> put their female characters in a sin light that yes. others may seem disagreeable. Yeah. <laughs> trying to be elaborate, yeah. Um, but that they could have made her a lot more... a lot stronger. I think that's the crux of the problem is that they yeah. don't see, when they when even though female action female char- action char- female characters in action films they do perceive they are perceived as strong but then someone else will find someone better there'll always be a stronger there'll man. always be someone else and that is annoying mm. you can't yeah. it's like it's like saying that you can't put two fem- like the fem- one female character on the same league as someone else and I don't know, that's quite upsetting. It means it, it just feels like that the characters almost feels like almost feels redundant. That actually, no, th- sorry. I don't want to say that they're redundant, but the fact is that they they're doing the same physical they have the same physical strength, emotional strength yeah. as male characters, but they're silent because they're not a male. They're not a man. Yeah. yeah. If anything, they have more strengths because they can also bring a kind of feminine emotional strength yeah. and kind of I don't know maybe an intellectual processing yeah. idea you know there's always these jokes about women multitasking I, I find, and yeah like I find that. that female characters especially in that action film they're a lot more rational they, they tend they tend to kind of step back and think things through which is completely different to how women are perceived in general yeah. they are often thought of you know let's say let's talk about something completely different to action just quickly comedy yeah. it, it's the irrationality of the female performance that's yeah. normally delivering the comedy I don't see why that is though because like, I don't why, why do you feel the need to be to act crazy to be more funny yeah it doesn't you don't have to but I do think that most of the time crazy equals female or if you have a crazy character yeah. they're more likely to be but that just female. just that just kind of puts a female characters in such a bad light it's like you know you can't have all your female characters in a comedy be crazy you know they, surely there's you know there, there are there are comedies out there that have smart women yeah like I think this is changing and kind of, you know, comedy isn't perhaps what we're talking about today. I was more talking about personifying emotions based on gender. No, no, I started it. I started talking about (laughs) comedy. So can I, going back to um, female action heroes, um, should we discuss costuming and look? Because I definitely think that's something that is important. I think that there's definitely there's like even with the Wonder Woman costumes and there is an armour plate aspect to it and the strength it's still not covering a whole lot yeah. and with Black Widow so these you know the big two franchises 
she ha- she is covered up and yet she's not yeah. because um, it's a latex catsuit. Um, I think something like the Hunger Games <laughs> is a better example of where um, th- there's, there's almost a mocking of um, uh, uh, Katniss Everdeen's costumes when she has to do all the presentation before yeah. the action sequences. And so I think that... Um, I think people are noticing it now, but I'm guessing in your experience, you've seen there is a relationship between less clothing or yeah. more, you know, showing off female assets. I think there's, there's that kind of concept, I don't know if it is a concept or not, is that, you know, female characters are remembered for their skimpy dress, which is silly. Original Wonder Woman, perhaps. Yeah, like, yeah. you know, like in James Bond films, yes. especially women are known for their, like, less is more kind of a thing. Yes. Just, Although we're both talking now about the 70s, and yeah. we should be. I mean, no, no, I agree but that I think that we're, we're, that's we're, an iconic Yeah, but image. I think, because fashion is such a, is, is quite a, a, is a quite close thing related to the female genre. I yes. think it plays in such a key part. As you said with um, Hunger Games, um, the, 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 practica- the whole costume ceremonies were quite elaborate. Yes. And I think it needed to reinforce the idea of femininity amongst them, the, these, the, what, the tributes that are supposedly killing machines. Yes. <laughs> the, and dividing those up into, yeah. oh, you must vote for me, I'm the best, I, look at me, I'm so lovely, I'm in love with another character. Yeah. And then the, hang on a minute though, I want to win this game for the yeah, purposes I can, of my sister. You, know, you, can, you can say that I have a pretty dress, but I can kill you with, with a pocket knife. Yeah. That kind of thing. It just shows that you know appearances cannot be everything. They were judge a book by its cover. That's yes. all I have to say. But I think that unfortunately, it's still happening. There is still such a focus on the female body and the male gaze in an action movie. The presidential palace, the party of the year. Eyes bright, chins up, smiles on. I'm talking to you, Katniss. Now, there'll be photographers, interviews, everyone will be here to celebrate you, my victors. Breathe it all in, children. When I've talked to um, Nick on other uh, parts of this podcast, he always says to me that the um, that comic book movies are made men because the target audience is male and I always get very irate about this because I said more and more I know more women who are interested in comic books it's just the fact that there aren't necessarily the characters there who they can yeah. identify with. I think what with do the, you think about that? I think with the comic book things it's always been it's always been a, a guy thing you know you when you watch Big Bang Theory you don't see girls in the comic books all. No, no yes but sorry. I've never even thought about that <laughs> yeah. uh, but the thing is is with the Marvel and DC films, they're opening the, the these tradition these these works that were you know that were immortalized on paper, or, um, being brought to a wider audience where social conventions have changed. You know those those comic books were made decades ago, but you now coming to you now bring them to an audience where gender equality is a growing thing and it's being becoming more and more popular becoming more and more notable yes. in the fields of entertainment, sport, politics. Um, so the idea is that, you know, the costume things, yeah, it may be easier to relate. They may be designed a certain way because that's how people grew, grow, grew up to yes. recognise them. But that doesn't mean that you can't change it. No. Not and I think all. it is slightly changing, but it isn't changing quickly enough. And I think there's also an idea that male viewers or male filmmakers think that women want to see... Like, they think they're doing us a favour because they think they they want us to see an attractive, pretty character as much for us as it is for them. And I want to get to a point where it's a character and they're interesting and attractiveness is not a fault neither is it um, a plus point or anything that changes the character unless I suppose you are taking the piss out of the um, oh I can flirt to get my way you yeah. often have that in the action genre is that when you know if it's an alter ego or whatever some other non-fighting scene you will have the female character 
um, fluttering their eyelashes and trying to because yes. that's kind of offensive to men as well yeah. I just feel like the, the tropes work both ways <laughs> I think yeah I think with, with women is they, they are known for certain things flirting is one of them yeah but as I said before they are capable of so much more yes. going back to Crouching Tiger and Dragon you see um, Angie Yee's character in the restaurant she takes on around 30 guys with one weapon I love that scene. And <laughs> she didn't have the bat an eyelid. She just proved a point. Yeah. And she's such a good example because she's so beautiful and fragile looking and so young looking in that film. And I know she wasn't particularly old, but she was older than she yeah. looked. When you when you introduce when you're when she's introduced, she's in this beautiful attire. She's being passed off as a bride to be to an arranged marriage. Yeah. And then you see her evolve into this really skilled warrior and she's fighting off against Michelle Yeoh who is a, 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 quite a strong martial artist herself there's swords, there's spears, there's everything and she didn't have, it's the idea, also the fact that with um, uh, Jen's character is actually Jen, Jen yep. the character she didn't want to get married no she wanted to, she idolised the warrior life of being on independent and being able to defend herself yes that's why she uh, and, and that's why she took the sword Green Destiny yeah and the fact the restaurant fight proved the point she could hold her own she didn't need a man especially and you know when she the fact that she started that when started that fight because that guy she thought was related to her her, her supposed husband yeah you know i think <laughs> that no no i think that that um it, it's also interesting that that sets up um a common theme of women wanting to get married or not wanting to get married and then destroys it and I think that that's something that do we have in cinema there there are two different ways that it can be done and maybe both are needed but you can have the setting up the common trope and then destroying it which I think is what Crouching Tiger Hidden Dragon does and you can also have the Furiosa uh, Mad Max Fury Road which is setting up a character gender isn't relevant or, or or plays a part but the character is just as strong as as fascinating to watch as anyone else do you have any preference on what you'd like to see in future action movies i think with 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 those films i mean crunchy tagging drunk is is a very it's a traditional thing that the whole idea of arranged marriage as a as a british born chinese myself i knew i know there's a pressure for women, for women to, to to stay at home and be married, to con- to get be accustomed to the traditional life of being a homemaker. Yeah, that's a cultural norm. Yeah. So this is beyond films. This is yeah. about everything and life. But I think I think what would be I think that but the gradual change is quite effective because you expected her to go down a certain route, but then to see her almost I don't want to say descend, but to you know, gradually freedom, yeah, <laughs> upwards, Lib- liberate herself, liberation. That's, that's, that's what we want. That's it. That's yeah. it. But, but they're both actually, yeah, both Furiosa and Yen are good examples because they both representations are acceptable. Yes, you could go, you know, ball by the horns, just forward charge straight on that Furiosa. She's a strong female character. And the truck driver, she's, you know... She's put in in, in traditionally male scenarios. Yeah. You know, she's already established that she's already a respected figure in that society. You can put it that way. Or you could do it in Kaju Tiger and Dragon's way. You're growing accustomed to the idea of being, of something going as A traditional way, yeah. And then then being open, being... Introduced to the idea of something that, that they could be more. It's me. There's something in the eyes. Perhaps it is Jabasa's child. Mm. 
This is our Furiosa. How long has it been? 7,000 days, plus the ones I don't remember. Furiosa, what happened to your mother? She died on the third day. Where did you find such creatures? So soft. This one has all their teeth. <laughs> it's important to emphasise that, and Wonder Woman fits into this as well, that these type of films make money. Yeah. There is often this um, assumption that it's a kind of indie thing to have a female <laughs> action I'm sorry. star. Sorry to be blunt, that's box. Yeah, <laughs> I know, you say it. They, yeah. they, they, as you said before, they make money. There's no reason why having a female lead character should go against the success of a film. That's nothing to do with it. Or necessarily be what makes it the success. Because yeah. there's a kind of like backwards misogyny there in some way to me. And maybe, maybe that's unfair because women might want to go and see it as well. But I think that at the moment we're talking about, I don't think Crouching Tiger has, has fed through enough, even though that was made 12 years ago. It was made a long time ago. A long time ago. Um, I think at the moment we're still in the stage, as we said earlier in the podcast, where, oh, look at this exciting female lead role, woo, 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 and all those like women-only screenings of Wonder Woman. And it was like, it was so difficult for me because I kind of loved and hated that. I found issues with it because I thought, if we start alienating male audiences, then aren't we just doing the same thing that male filmmaking yeah. industry has been doing and, and there forever? Was, there was that backlash about men wanted to get in, and it shouldn't have... The female, I could understand the, the marketing point for it, the female. And it was very successful and, and I, I enjoyed it. But it's how they kind of went about it was wrong. Mm. You know, cinema is there for everyone. Yeah. And because it's one of the ultimate forms of escapism, it proves they, it, what cinema has made, means to me is that anyone can do anything. Yeah. It, it may have CGI involved, it may need a lot of training, but. It opens your eyes to something more, you know. You don't have to. No one fits. No, no one fits in a box. It isn't confined to a box. No, no. one. No one is labelled. You. Anyone could be. You can have an melee of characters: male, female, gay, lesbian, straight, whatever. Yep. They. Anything's possible. Yes, and nobody should be prevented from enjoying that. Although, you know, I, I do, it's a really fine line, this, because I see both sides of it. I think that, you know, you have these men saying, oh, why don't we have International Men's Day? And, and why can't I go to this screening? And it's a really difficult line to tread because I think on one hand, it's okay to have all women screenings because it's a gimmick and because... As completely separate outside of this podcast but still important part of being a woman is that there is a fear factor whenever you go anywhere yeah. and I think that most of the time we are fearful of male company I have been in cinemas where it's been me and only a few other people and I have automatically yeah. had my I think with up. the Wonder Woman thing flip side to what I was saying I, yeah. I, I apologize but the, the, I think with with Wonder Woman because it was a comic book hero I think the, the women only thing worked in its favor in a way that they will not have that kind of those those negative feedback from ma from male fans that would disagree or may f or find something to disagree with and be vocal about it and dominate the um, airwaves or the the articles and so therefore that's seen as the prevailing yeah opinion you know women 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 only screenings help women show that you know there's a film here promotes women as a lead character it's a strong female character and they should be able to enjoy it without being without the, you know the feeling that in some way there's resentment or judgment yes exactly yeah I think that that's something where it's really good to talk about it because all of these new things that are coming up these gimmicks these um, female versions of male films like I've talked on another podcast about Ghostbusters and um, things like that I think that it's really important that these happen, but we have to be very careful that the gimmick doesn't overshadow yeah. the message. Certain, certain gimmicks can all the, people always find something to complain about. <laughs> I, I find that quite quite it's it's very easy to do. 
but they, they're and there are both there are two sides to each yes. argument. It's just how you feel about it. Yeah. So just to kind of wrap up now, thank you so much. Do you think, so what I've been doing is through these episodes is trying to see how we can extend or play with the rules within the Bechdel test. Do you think there's anything that we could add or, or take away? Like um, in another episode, I worked out that it said two female characters and it didn't really define, we, we assumed when I was talking about it that they were uh, women, humans. And then I realized that you could have, um, you know, Finding Dory is a good example of of, um, yeah. you know, a, a female fish, and you could also have like robots and things like that. So one of the things I thought is that maybe female identifying would be an example of where you could modify the test. In terms of action, is there anything that we can? I think it's like you know the physicalities of like the heroes. Like you don't need to. Be, it's like yeah, you could have two arms, two legs, but you don't have to. You could have one. You know, it's like, it's like with Furiosa, she's got one arm. Yep. Oh, yeah. You know, you don't have to. You don't have to be you know perfectly physically able this you could have a flaw but yes. you could still you just, just as long as you're being able to represent the what your character is there for yeah you know and and, so, and sometimes what i feel is like like the background the profession sometimes could also be a factor because with so many labels given to female characters in the past you can show this like it is irrespective of what they they've done you know, it's what they do now, what their character serves in the plot. So you think that there's too much attention paid to, like, a previous job for a female action? Yeah, character. So, so okay. for instance, it's that, you know, when you watch, um, sorry, getting a bit off topic here, so <laughs> when you go watch, like, um, like job interviews of some of films, sometimes female characters are like, oh, what's your profession? A housewife. Yes. That kind of thing. Yes. And, you know, or it's like, or you're homeschooled, and it's, it's not as if you're, an, oh, I'm a typist, quite yeah. low key stuff. You I've got a whole separate um, episode all on work. I'm so if sorry. you want to, no, 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 <laughs> if you want to come and talk on that one as that well, kind, I think that's really kind of important. Thing. It's yeah. that kind of thing. Do you think that's overshadowing? Do you, do, sorry, I'll, I'll rephrase that. Do you think that? when it's a female action character backstory where they are something that's a traditionally submissive role is is more is brought more to the surface than male characters i wonder if it's if, it's, if, it's, if that if is it, the case if it's a role of submissive role then yeah they yes. probably think it, it probably paints them in an inferior light so to put this on the test we need two named female characters, irrespective of uh, whether they're a robot, but female identifying, discussing something on screen, perhaps while having a fight with weapons, which isn't a man. So we also need to have something along the lines of, and being given equal standing with male action characters yes, and not having a focus on something that, that the director wouldn't usually focus on if it was a lead male yeah. action it, character. The idea is that you know you could incorporate the idea that these two female characters have nothing to do with each other. They're not connected by a man. The man doesn't interrupt them or come between them. That kind of thing. They're, they can be two independent women. You have hit the nail on the head. That's the rule we're adding. Yeah. Two female characters not connected to one another by a man. Yeah. Yay! <laughs> Thank you so much for doing this. You're welcome. Thanks, Katie. Thank you. Thank you so much to Katie. If you want to speak to her, you can find her on Twitter at GuitarGalChina, which is G-U-I-T-A-R-G-A-L-C-H-I-N-A. Thanks so much. Bye.